What's the best part us. about working at your job? The coworkers. I have really good coworkers. We have really good conversations, and I've made really good relationships with my coworkers. This is Josh. And this is Nicole. And you're listening to the Oregon Transition Podcast. Brought to you by the TTAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network and professionals across the state. We've got you covered from Portland to Ontario, from Hood River to Klamath Falls, from Seaside to Burns, and everywhere in between. My name is Grace Schumacher, and something interesting about myself is that I am 80% fluent in American Sign Language. Hi, Josh. Hi, Nicole. We're back. It's been a while. It has been a while, but we are here at last for our final episode of this season of the Oregon Transition Podcast, and I am excited to hear all about the woman who just spoke, who is 70% fluent in sign language. What's her story? On today's episode, we are going to meet Grace Shoemaker. Grace is a transition student in Eugene. And if I'm correct, she's a student with a job, which is the goal of a lot of transition age students. Over the course of the 2020-2021 school year, I interviewed Grace as she attended the transition program and worked 20 hours a week at her job. And since these interviews took place during this past school year, they took place on Zoom. And Zoom was exactly how you'd expect it to be. Uh-oh, I think you froze. Josh, I didn't hear that. Okay, I think I froze. I'm going to ask that question again. Well, I'm glad you're not frozen today, Josh. We're going to take the time machine back to November when Grace and I did our first interview. Right now, can you just share where you go to school? Yeah, I go to school through 4J Connections. It's a post-high school program for people with disabilities. It's in Eugene, Oregon. You're working at Abby's Pizza, and you have been working there for a long time. Where did you start at Abby's, and what are you doing now? So I started as a dishwasher person. So I started busting the tables, washing the dishes, refilling a salad bowl, taking customers' orders. And then when the pandemic hit, I got laid off. So when I got rehired, I had to now go and sanitize everything because we now have the sanitization protocol. So I had to do that while also doing the other stuff I do. And then I recently got a new position to where I'm prep cook. So I'm going to prep all the stuff we need to make pizzas, but also take orders as well if needed, which... With this new position, I'm only going to be working mornings, not evenings anymore. So when you were a dishwasher, you were working evenings, and how many hours a week were you working? Um, Well, I was working 12 hours, and then when I got laid off, I wasn't working anything, and then when I got rehired, I was working 18 to 20 hours. Wow. And then how many hours are you going to be working now that you're uh, moved? I mean, that's a promotion, right? You moved up to be a prep cook. How many hours are you... How many hours are you going to work as a prep cook? I'm going to work the same 18 to 20 hours. Have you set any goals around your new role? My goals are just to like ask questions if I need help. Just take it easy and do my best. So it's pretty easy stuff from what it looked like to do. So Grace lost her job because of the pandemic, but now she's being hired back and it's in a different role where she's going to be learning all sorts of new things. This interview took place in November. When we spoke, she had not started her new role as a prep cook yet. She has some really great goals 
about making sure that she's doing her best and asking questions when she needs them. And goals is what this episode is all about. I'm Christina Howard. I'm Silas's mom. Christina and Silas had a great conversation with Josh around how his progression in the transition program has really supported his independence. Silas started the transition program in Eugene in September of 2020. Not only is Silas going to school in the transition program, he also is taking classes at Lane Community College. He's working with a personal support worker and he works with a job developer. Let's hear how he's doing with the job developer. So you're meeting with Ryan every other week. What what do you and Ryan do? We just uh, talk about places um, to work and see if they're the right fit for me. What kind of places have you been talking about? What's the name of that cemetery? Oh, cemetery. What kind of jobs are available there? I'm interested in groundskeeping. Silas, you're managing a schedule with four different agencies. How do you manage your schedule? I use a uh, connections calendar. What does that look like? You want me to show you? Yes. This is just giving me a 30-minute heads up. Do you put in those appointments? Sometimes, yeah. But others, I um, need a little help. In the beginning, it's, it was a little overwhelming. What I can say is that during this transition time, I really learned to trust that Silas has built some skills to manage it on his own once he knows the system and the expectations. So early on with getting services started, that was very, I was very involved in that, setting up his eligibility through vocational rehab, doing the intake paperwork, learning the systems and just what we could expect, setting up the path meeting and coordinating that when he was in school. I was highly involved with that, making sure that he is a partnered with the right support worker agency who can, who knows him and can find him a good fit for a personal support worker. I'm highly involved with that. But once those systems were in place, really kind of stepping back and setting the expectation that Silas is choosing to do these things and these supports are for him and he should be able to make decisions about who, what, when, and how much. So my job is just to really help him set up systems that support the things he needs support with. So Silas does really well with structure and a schedule and helping him learn where those different people post their information, uh, how to set reminders, how to read an email and find someone's phone number, how to manage your email box. I help with those things. But for example, today is the first time I learned that he and Ryan had talked about Rexius, like just now in this podcast. And early on, Silas asked me to join those meetings with Ryan and to attend some of the connection stuff. And now I check in with him and he'll identify a challenge or a problem that he encountered where he wasn't sure what was expected But now he's saying, but I talked to my advocate or I talked to my teacher. I went to an office hour. 
I talked to my aide in connections and they set me straight or they helped correct my misunderstanding and I got what I needed. But I don't need to do nearly as much as you might expect. I would say the path plan and having that plan where he identified this is what I want for myself made it much easier for me to understand my role during transition. I really appreciate how Christina was so involved at the beginning in facilitating a path plan and learning about services and really being an advocate for Silas. But then as they became more clear about what the structure looked like, Silas really took control of his own future and is able to use different software to keep his time managed. And he's able to really go and and have those independent adventures and discussions with the other supports that he has in community. And I have to say, Nicole, I think for a person who's interested in working in landscaping, working in a cemetery would be really cool. I agree, especially if it's a little bit spooky. Grace is in her second year of the transition program and has been working. Silas is in his first year of the transition program and is actively looking for a paid job. It's really helpful when the students have support of schools, VR, and developmental disabilities when they're eligible for those services. Speaking of Grace, how about we check back in and see how she's doing? How are you doing on December 8th? I'm good. I'm a little tired, but other than that, I'm good. I asked Grace if she started her new job as the prep cook. I've started it, so I've been um, working in that position for a couple weeks now, and I know pretty much everything I need to know. Um, so I'm a prep cook, so I prep all the veggies, the pizza sauce, the chicken that we serve with the spuds. I slice the mushrooms, the onions, which I hate doing that because I always cry. <laughs> um, then I slice the tomatoes, the peppers. I open all like the cans, put all that together. I just like go through a big list and get it all done. That sounds like a lot of <laughs> things to negotiate. How do you learn all those tasks? A lot of it, I need to like go and ask my um, boss. Um, I need to like go and ask him more questions about some of it. Um, but other than that, I know a lot of the stuff to do. There's um, a list on the back of the list that I look at. Um, she has that tells me what containers a lot of the things go in. Plus, I also just observe um, what she does as well. And I have like observed um, when I walk there in the evening. So I just go off of the knowledge that I've seen them do. The last time we talked, Lane County, I think, was still in phase two. And then since then, Lane they County the has... Three. Yeah, so originally I thought I was going to be laid off again, but she said no because she needs me to do prep. So that was a plus. I was not laid off again. So we just do delivery and takeouts, and things have been pretty like steady. What's the hardest yeah, part about working at Abby's? I would have to say um, at times when I'll go in, I'll have the prep list. They'll give me the prep list. I'll look at the prep list and it's really long. And I just feel like it just takes me a really long time to get it done. So Grace was doing well in her job in December. She was able to be an advocate for herself. She was able to incorporate different learning styles to really like understand the processes and expectations. And it also sounds like she's learning to manage her time effectively. 
I'm really glad that she didn't get laid off, as so many other people did. I'm excited to see where the rest of the year takes her. Me too. Me with Grace throughout the year was really great, and hearing about her progress really brought a smile to my face. I'm seeing a thread here. Grace and Silas, they both are setting goals. Silas has a goal to get a job. Grace has a goal to be more proficient at her job. So, Josh, why are goals important? Well, let's hear from friend of the pod, Toby Rickard. My name's Toby Rickard. I'm an autism consultant for Eugene 4J School District. One thing that has always kind of struck me about goal setting, in at least my experience, is that it's really hard to engage students, and this is from elementary all the way up into post-secondary, like 18 to 21, engage students in self-directing their goals. And I think that has always been a, a real kind of goal of mine, really, is to figure out, well, how, wow, how to get people inspired to be, you know, goal-directed. Goal if you craft a really good goal for yourself, it's going to be something realistic. It's going to be something you can achieve, right? It's going to be timely. And then if um, you can do that, that's motivating. Totally. Well, that's a really important part of goal setting. I appreciate the power of that self-propelled goal setting because it, it does, it creates a, a really in, intrinsic motivation when you are going to go and try and achieve something. You are buying into it by setting your own goal and so then you are more dedicated to accomplishing it. And I think you see that in the case of Grace, who we've been speaking to, where she was finding accommodations for herself in the workplace and she was advocating. And you also see it in Silas, who was given that initial support but then was allowed to go and really explore the different options independently and set his own goals. Even with the path process that Christina talked about it really was person focused so again back to that intrinsic motivation that's propelling these students forward the next time i interviewed grace was in february let's hear how she's doing last time we talked you were starting a new role what does your workday look like yeah so i'm a prep cook so i basically show up to work i clock on and i prep all the ingredients that we need to make the pizzas and i have a whole list so i usually will start the list get through it as quickly as i can safely as i can how do you know what food to prep uh there's a list so there's like a list and then there's on one side of the list they have within like a number of what they already have in stock and then on the other side of the list they write the items of what i have to prep and then my boss will go through if she has time and she does some of the items and she'll highlight them in a different color and that shows me the cheese on them and then i highlight whatever i do in pink so if there's something that's highlighted in green or yellow or orange, I know that that was done by my boss. And then whatever I do, it's done, it's highlighted in pink. How did they train you how to cut safely? So with the, t- with the um, onions and the mushrooms, there's a slicer that you like put together and then you put it on the table and then you like screw the black thing so it stays in place. And you don't touch the blade of any of the items. If you touch the blade, you cut yourself. So with the onions, I cut the onions. I take off all, like, the the skin. I cut it, and then I, as I do it, I turn away. Because if I look at it, the juice comes up in my eye. Right. So I turn away so that doesn't happen. But 
when I put it in a Canano, I still cry. So it really doesn't matter what other <laughs> way I look, I still cry. Uh, and then with the tomatoes, there's a slicer thing that I slice. How did they train you to do all this? The machine you just described sounds safe, but complicated. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the one that we do for the mushroom and the onions, the same one, I think I've asked my boss to put it together for me like 25 times. And two months ago, I finally got it down where I can put it together and undo it. They just basically just like showed me how to do it, which that's not really how I learn. I learn by me doing it and they tell me to do it. How yeah. do you let them know that that's the best way you learn? I just tell them or I just remind them nicely. It sounds like she's really progressing in this new position. In just a matter of a few months, she's learning all about kitchen safety. She has a more in-depth understanding of her responsibilities. She's able to really still advocate for herself. And she's developed natural supports in the workplace. Natural supports are people that are already in your workplace that really support you on the job. So for instance, with the highlighting, she has a natural support in her employer who's really taking the extra effort to support the success of Grace. She's learning about herself and she's learning about the best way she learns. And she says, you can show me how to put together the slicer machine, but what really works best for me is if I do it myself while you tell me where the parts go. And by doing that, she was able to actually do it. She met a goal that she had created. As I listened to these interviews, I noticed how much more confident she sounds. And let's hear what she says about her confidence at work. I'm not 100% comfortable. I would say like I'm 90% comfortable. There are some things I still need them to help me with, obviously. And I think that's with every job. But for me, a lot of it, I like, I've done a lot of it now. So like, I know how to do it. So this is Grace's first job and she's starting to gain a lot of confidence and momentum in her work. But for pretty much everybody, your first job isn't your forever job. I wonder if Grace has other aspirations after Abby's. Let's hear Grace's thoughts on that. Yeah. I thought of staying at Abby's and I've also thought of like finding another job. It's the thing with COVID is really hard right now for a lot of places. A lot of places are like closing down because of mm -hmm. COVID. And Abby's has stayed open. Yeah, I got laid off like for a couple of months and then I got rehired. And my boss has even said with the freeze going on, she's not laying anyone off. But for me, I just don't want to go and like put in my notice and not have a job. So I hope that I could find a job as a prep cook somewhere or even work at Costco. Like, I don't know what's next for me right now. Grace has set a new goal. Her job at Abby's may not be forever. She is potentially looking at other options right now. This made me think of the question that Toby Rickard asked earlier in this podcast. How do you get individuals to set their own goals and buy in? Well, in one case, Josh, friend of the pod, Brad Collins, apparently you just buy somebody a car. Brad Collins, and I work for the Office of Developmental Disability Services as one of the regional employment specialists. I'm actually a wheelchair user. When I was 12 years old, I had a blood vessel burst in my spinal cord and resulted in me being a paraplegic. Josh and I got talking about the story of my 71 El Camino that sits behind me in the garage. And um, I actually got it when I was 13, early 14. My dad did it as a motivation for me of, 
hey, we have a new hill in front of us, you learning to use a wheelchair, learning to live life as a person that experiences a disability. And his deal with me was, I got, I got the car, you can drive the car when you're able to load your wheelchair in under a minute. And even if I wasn't 16 yet and able to drive, he made the deal with me that we'd go out and learn even if I did it before I was 15 and he'd get hand controls put in it and everything. You know, I was telling Josh this story just because it's one that I use in presentations at times when it comes to kind of planning and finding what makes a person you know, motivated, how to get them energized about something. And it's just a simple story that I tell that's a personal one of mine of what motivated me as an individual, but as an individual that experienced a disability was, hey, I wanted to see what I could do. Driving was going to open up a new world for me. Sat there and practiced, figured out how to load my chair in under a minute. And I actually in the town that I was in, I got a hardship license. And so I was driving around town before I was 16. Once your dad got the car, how long did it take you to learn how to load your chair? I think once we really got down to it, got the car where we wanted it to be, safe engine, safe transmission, had the correct seats put in there so I could slide them forward and everything. Once we did all that, that took a few months to get the work done on it and everything. But once I started practicing loading my chair, it did not take me very long. You know, I want to say a week or so, you know, mom and dad tell the story. What I never realized is they'd sit at the window and watch me. I was kind of oblivious to them. The car was parked on a lower spot of our house. So they were in the upstairs windows just watching me. And they said it was one of the hardest things that they ever had to do was just sit back and see a person figure it out for themselves. Again, knowing, knowing me, my parents, they did what worked for me, but they also set up goals with me as a person that were tangible and something that they knew would get a result. I am sure being your first of your friends to drive, that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, small town, especially we had off-campus lunch, high school. So, you know, one of the first people in my class to be able to go out and drive. Now, was I supposed to take other people with me? Maybe, maybe not. Did other people come along? Maybe, maybe not. You know, bring food back to people people that weren't able to go off campus yet. So motivation and goals come in a lot of forms, whether it's setting goals for work, setting goals for your personal life, whether you have people supporting you in setting goals, or whether you're setting your own goals. But they are important because they get us from one step to the next. Look how motivated a 13 or a 14-year-old Brad Collins was when he really wanted to drive. He was able to figure out how to load his chair really quickly in his car and then follow all of the rules. The next time I caught up with Grace was in the very beginning of June. And I asked Grace, what changed? What changed was people getting vaccinated and people going back to school in people person. Are, how does it feel to be in person again? Well, I have not gone in person because I work during the times that they were in person. So I have been unable to go in person. But from what I hear, it's been really nice. Josh, it sounds like Grace isn't attending the transition program in person, but she has picked up a few hours at work. So she's working pretty steadily. Is that an okay thing? That's fantastic. Yes. Grace is still a part of the transition program and her services are virtual. For some students, working is a priority. The nice thing about 18 to 21 programs 
is they could build services around your work schedule. So in Grace's case, she is receiving services. She is attending online classes through Connections. She also meets with a Connection staff that's able to come to her in person for what they call advocate meetings. The Connections program is able to build a schedule around Grace's work schedule. So would you say that that program's goal is to support Grace in becoming an independent adult? Absolutely. Let's continue our conversation with Grace that took place in June. I am still a pup cook, but I also work in the evenings to help them out. So I work with the customers by taking orders and answering the phone. So it sounds like every time we've talked to you, your responsibilities have have increased a little bit. Yes. (laughs) How do you like working there? I like it a lot. We've gotten new employees and some employees have left. That's been sad, but um, they've gone on to new adventures. I get more responsibilities daily, which is nice. I got asked to close last week, which I never did that before. And that was really hard, but I did it. What are your plans for the summer? Are you still working there? Yeah, I'm going to work there. I actually am taking a few vacation times off because I'm going, I have some trips planned. So I'm taking a few vacation times off. So I have some trips planned. Fun. Where are you going on vacation? I'm going to visit family in St. Louis for 4th of July. So I'm going to do that. And Mm. then I'm going camping. My grandparents are going to come back and then my family is going to go camping. And then in September, I'm going to Disneyland with my uncle time we talked you were you were talking about how this was a great job might not be your forever job have you thought about what else other things you want to do yeah i did i actually had an interview at a restaurant near my house and it was for a dishwasher i got the job offered to me but i decided not to take it how come Um, it was just more it was different so i decided not to do it but i'm actually looking into working at costco it's nice when you have choices and, and that you you have the ability to decide whether something you're going to be happy with the change. Definitely. Everybody, no matter who they are, always has somebody that's there to support them, mm-hmm. especially when going into a new job. Yeah. Who do you have to support you? I have a lot of people. I have my parents. They're all a big support. When I got that, when I had that interview for that restaurant, I actually asked my parents what they thought because my mom was a waitress and she worked at a very high-end restaurant when she was my age. So she kind of knows and she kind of gave her input and I really took that to heart and I decided, you know what, this isn't for me. So it's my parents and Loy and my coworkers and I just have a lot of family. What an amazing journey Grace has had, even in this short time. I guess short depending on your lens. For some people, it's felt like forever since COVID started. But for Grace, maybe it hasn't seemed so long because she's had pretty good employment. She's been there two years, Nicole. June was her two-year anniversary at Abby's. That's amazing. And she's met so many of her goals. What was really exciting for me is to hear about how her responsibilities increased each time I talked with her. And how she's had so many supports and people that are helping her, but also encouraging her independence along the way. And her mind is open to see other opportunities, but what I heard was that she's choosing her opportunities carefully and talking to her support network to make sure that it's going to be a good move when she does find a new job. This should be a goal for every student. A goal for them should be to find their own path towards independence 
and have access to any supports that they need along the way. What a great way to wrap up Season 3 of the Oregon Transition Podcast. I just want to thank Grace Shoemaker, Silas Miller, Christina Howard, Toby Rickard, and Brad Collins for being on the pod today. And I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in for this season. It has been a weird one, as Josh and I are still coming to you from Zoom, and it's been a pleasure. Before we leave you, Nicole, I understand you have some news to share. You're right, Josh. I do have some very sad news to share. After four years of being with the most amazing work crew, I am unfortunately leaving the T-TAN and off to do new things. And this is Lon. I'm dubbed the Podfather. How I got that, I have no idea. But I want to say to all of you listeners that we love Nicole and we're sad to see her go, but we're happy that she's looking at new horizons. That's what this whole podcast is about. Dream jobs, futures, careers, and she's moving on and she's doing, she's practicing what she has preached. So Nicole, we give you lots of blessings and wishes for the best. And you know, you got us all cheering you on. This is Mandy, and I just want to wish Nicole the best. Nicole has wholeheartedly opened up and shared so much information with this newbie. I just cannot imagine doing this job without her. And I too am so excited for the career path ahead and what she will accomplish in the world because it's going to be great. And I guarantee we're going to be talking about what Nicole's doing in the future. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for practicing what you've been preaching and showing others that what you put your mind to and when you set your dreams and you go for them, that you that you can accomplish them. Nicole is really sad to see you go, but this episode has been all about setting goals and taking steps to reach those goals. And like everyone was saying, we're watching you do that. And so as you make the transition from podcast host to the pod people, we wish you the best of luck and we so appreciate all the work that you put into the TTN and all the work you put into this podcast. Well, thank you guys. And in all seriousness, being on the podcast has been a definite highlight of my career. And for all the pod people, I wish you the best as you structure and support students in their transition pathways. And always remember to think outside the box. So on that note, Nicole, because this is your last podcast, we should give you the honors of saying it. Peace out, pod people, and be well. Yeah. The Oregon Transition Podcast is brought to you by the TTAN, the Transition Technical Assistance Network, with support from Vocational Rehabilitation and Oregon Department of Education. All views and opinions expressed on this podcast belong to the individuals, not necessarily their supporting agencies. The Oregon Transition Podcast is produced by Nicole Perdue, Josh Barber, Mandy Younger, and the podfather himself, Lon Thornburg. With additional interviews provided by members of the TTAM. Our theme music is composed by former transition student Boone Richter out of Brownsville, Oregon. Additional music provided by Lon Thornburg. For questions, comments, or episode ideas, please email us at OregonTransitionPodcast at gmail.com. And for all the latest OTP news, connect with us on Facebook. No, one of my goals is always to be a, to do a podcast with you, man. This is oh. one of my personal goals. Lifeless check. <laughs>